This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. She was an amazing woman. She was um, a wonderful mother, a wonderful daughter. She was like my best friend. It's changed my whole world. It's never going to be the same again. This is a story about six women in a small blue-collar town in southern Ohio, fearing they may have a serial killer running loose within the shadows of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. It's a story about a community who came together for those women and to combat an ongoing nationwide epidemic. But first, let me take you to Chillicothe, Ohio. Situated along the Scioto River, Chillicothe is a town of about 22,000, steeped in history as a settlement by the Shawnee Indians. Generations have built their lives here. It's home to a decades-old paper mill, truck factory, and a couple of state prisons. Chillicothe is about 45 miles south of Columbus, which would make it about uh, a little less than 200 miles out of Cleveland. That's Phil Trexler, an investigative producer with WKYC in Cleveland. Chillicothe is like uh, one of these typical Rust Belt kind of towns. Back in the day, originally back in the early 1800s, in fact, it was uh, Ohio's first uh, capital. And it stayed that way for just a few years before it was uh, situated back in the Columbus. But um, it's a Rust Belt type city with, uh, it had, you know, back in the heyday, 20,000 people, 21,000 people lived there, worked in factories. Um, and surrounded outside of Chillicothe is farmland. These are uh, blue collar workers, um, close-knit community. He spent some time in Chillicothe to uncover a darker, more recent history over the past six years. Since 2014, it's been most notable for six women who vanished and the close-knit town that came together. I think it was amazing that you just saw, like, mothers um, reaching out to each other. Uh, with um, you know the sad connection that they had, they, um, even mothers who never lost a child could empathize or sympathize with the mothers of these six women, who some you know don't even know to this day where and why their daughter disappeared. Uh, the community um, rallied; they uh, held uh, vigils. They met on the town square. They marched. Um, they kept the the story of these women alive and relevant. And they didn't want anyone to forget. The first woman goes missing on May 3rd, 2014. It's Yvonne Boggs' youngest daughter, Charlotte Trigo, a 27-year-old mother of two. There's not a day goes by uh, that I don't sit down and cry. Yvonne reports Charlotte missing after not seeing her for two weeks. According to the police report, Charlotte leaves home on foot after her roommate evicts her. Then, 30-year-old married mother of three, Tamika Lynch, vanishes in the days that follow. Her husband reports her missing on May 20th, 2014. Tamika Lynch's mother, Angie Robinson. It's something that never leaves your mind. I'm really wondering... Six months later, Wanda Lemons, a 37-year-old mother of five, disappears on November 4th, 2014. 
She's last seen by her mom, who says her daughter tells her she's taking a trip to Texas with a truck driver to visit family. Then, almost two months later, a pregnant Shasta Himmlerich goes missing. Her family last sees the 20-year-old on Christmas night, 2014. The next morning, she's seen on video surveillance at a gas station in Chillicothe, but her car is found abandoned 20 minutes outside of the town near the Scioto River. The car doors are open and the battery is dead. In May 2015, 38-year-old Timberly Clater disappears, and that same month, 26-year-old Tiffany Sayer vanishes on May 11, 2015. She's seen at the Chillicothe Inn with two men that night, and she tells a friend she plans on stopping by the motel again before heading home. Four of these women are found, but by no means is it a happy ending. Tamika Lynch is found naked the same month she disappears in 2014 in Paint Creek. Authorities say she overdosed on drugs. However, her cause of death is ruled undetermined circumstances. On January 2, 2015, Shasta is found drowned in the Scioto River eight days after she goes missing. One of the things that uh, really struck the family here is that the coroner ruled that her death was a suicide. And it's a determination that her family continues to reject. They don't believe that she would commit suicide. And as the community gathers for a vigil for the missing women in May 2015, Timberly Clater, who isn't reported missing yet, is found on May 25th in some weeds near an abandoned building just six miles south of Chillicothe, a few hundred yards off US-23, a highway known as a drug trafficking route. Bryant Somerville, a reporter with WBNS in Columbus, Ohio. Horrible details in that case. Uh, Shot her in the head three times um, because she had apparently used the last of the drugs that they were using that night. Police quickly arrest 36-year-old Chillicothe resident Jason McCrary. They hold him in jail for failing to register his address as a sex offender for a decade-old conviction of unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. And then he's charged with Timberly's murder. While he testifies during his trial that another man shot Timberly in the car he's known to drive, a jury finds him guilty of her murder, and the judge gives him the maximum sentence, 28 years to life. Then, Tiffany Sayre is found by hikers in June 2015, about a mile from where Tamika is discovered in Paint Creek. Phil Trexler recalls. He was doing business at the Chillicothe Inn, um, and she went to run to her grandmother's house, and that's the last anybody's ever seen. He, um, it's unclear if she ever made it back to the hotel, but the following month, her body was found wrapped in a sheet, and uh, it was discovered in a uh, nearby Highland County. Uh, her death was ruled a homicide, but police are not sure where she was killed. They have no witnesses. She did have... Um, a large number of different drugs in her system, cocaine, amphetamines, morphine, uh, and alcohol. Bryant Somerville begins covering these cases when he receives a text message a year after the first woman goes missing. I received a text message uh, from someone someone I I never knew, never met, uh, never heard of, and uh, it, it dawned on me that this person was clearly messaging the reporter before me who had my, my number. And it turns out that this person was Yvonne Boggs. Yvonne was asking me if, uh, 
if we would be interested in doing a follow-up story to the one year of her disappearance. And so I kind of, uh, I had to quickly go down that rabbit hole and, um, you know, research this story and figure out what she was talking about. Who was this Charlotte Trigo? Why is she such a big deal? Um, but within a couple of days, I was in Chillicothe and I was sitting across from Yvonne Boggs and uh, we got to talking about Charlotte. Yvonne worries about the fate of her missing daughter. With her going this long and not getting in touch with me, it scares me. It scares me that she is gone, that she's one of these victims. Two of the missing women, including Yvonne's daughter, Charlotte Trigo, are never seen again. Charlotte is 5'4", 160 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. Wanda Lemons is also still missing. She's 5'7", 135 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. All six women know each other and share something else in common. These were women who had tough lives. Uh, Many of them were uh, suspected drug users. Some had engaged in, you know, uh, sex work to support their habit. Um, and, And I think that that's key here because, you know, women like this are, they're not heard. You know, a lot of the folks... Um, with this attitude that, uh, oh, they, you know, their lives don't matter because they put themselves in that situation. And I think that's one of, the, one of the things that really hurt, really hurt the families was that feeling that these lives of these women didn't matter as much as others. And I believe that this is one chance where the media helped everyone to realize that, yes, they did matter. And what happened to them was horrible and it needed attention and the family deserved the answers. It's unknown if they were all addicted to drugs. It became apparent that the only connection we really had between all of these missing women was their backgrounds in the sense of uh, drug use, in the sense of prostitution. Uh, but that was really the only connecting fiber between these six women. And so we're looking at a, at a time period of May of 2014 to May of 2015, six women missing. And Chillicothe is an area where drugs, specifically heroin, is a major problem. Bryant, Somerville, and Columbus, about an hour north of Chillicothe, has spent years covering the women's cases as well as the opioid crisis plaguing the rural community. When you start doing stories on these type of towns, these smaller towns, everybody says, you know, everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody else's business. And specifically with a story like this, and, you know, you have one story, then before you know it, you have six stories. It is very much the talk of the town and people, they just become just so involved with it. They want to know answers. They they know somebody who knows somebody who knows one of these girls. It's very connected in that sense. On the other hand, uh, especially in recent years, uh, Chillicothe has had a major issue with opioids, much like many um, cities and states around the country have seen. Um, especially, there was one story I found, I remember reporting on in October of 2016, 11 people were treated for overdoses within nine hours. Now, compared to Columbus, that number's not very high, but for a small place like Chillicothe, that was uh, that was very significant. Um, 
And a big part of that, especially, you know, 2015, 2016, we started to really see the beginning of fentanyl being mixed in, uh, into heroin, trying to get that different high, trying to cut it in a certain way that, that these drug dealers were doing. And people were becoming so addicted to this so insanely fast. But around that time, uh, especially with the, with the spike in fentanyl, the heroin overdoses, the heroin usage, uh, we started to see just all of these conversations come out about naloxone, how to handle it. And this was right around the time of all of these missing women. But Charlotte Trigo's mother doesn't want people to judge her daughter or any of the other women involved. Don't judge all these girls for what they've done. Their lifestyle, they're still our daughters. The small town holds rallies for the missing women and the raging drug epidemic. We are going to take back our street and we're going to make this work because you know what? Chillicothe was a great town and it's going to be great again. Phil Trexler attends one of those rallies. They met on the town square. They marched. Um, they kept the, the story of these women alive and relevant. And they didn't want anyone to forget that these women died and there's no answers to this day. Spent the day there talking to folks in town. Residents fear a serial killer is at work. There's this great, I think, distrust of law enforcement. There was, law enforcement failed to provide the families with answers. The families question if, the, if law enforcement was even capable of solving this type of crime. There was this great reluctance from the sheriff to call it a serial killer. Um, so as a result, of course, they brought in the FBI and Homeland Security uh, to lend the, the, you know, the federal law enforcement support to bolster local law enforcement, to review the evidence, to look to see and determine if, in fact, uh, these were isolated incidents that were just coincidentally happening at the same time, or if we really had a serial killer in our midst. The FBI is called in to investigate alongside the Missing Persons Task Force with Ross County Sheriff's Office in June 2015. The feds came in and they looked over the work of the local law enforcement. From all indications that we've seen, they haven't fortified anything. Um, I think the best that the feds did was provide a sense of comfort to the family and to the Chillicothe community that, you know, on a national level, uh, their pain is, is being recognized. And But in terms of answering the, the major question of why, no, to this day, there's still no answer. The FBI, no one can confirm whether there's been uh, a serial killer. But a serial killer in West Virginia would keep that idea within close reach. This was something that was never ruled out. And I think in part for that was because police didn't want to say for sure. They didn't want to say, well, no, it's not, or... Yes, it is. Um, and there were certain things that really kind of pushed that idea forward. For example, in, uh, in July of uh, 2015, there was a serial killer who was killed in Charleston, West Virginia, not too far from Chillicothe. Uh, his name was Neil Falls. He was killed by an escort uh, after uh, allegedly he, he held a gun to her head and, and he, he was choking her and she was able to somehow or another get the gun away from him, shoot and kill him. Now, investigators thought that he might be involved in other crimes, perhaps in Chillicothe, because of what was found 
In his car, they found things like uh, there was a machete, there were axes, I think there was a sledgehammer, shovel, plastic bags, bleach, handcuffs, um, as well as a list of other female escorts. Now, at the time, police were just looking at this saying, well, we know we need to notify Chillicothe of this because we know that they have uh, an issue up, up there with, um, you know, possible women involving, you know, perhaps prostitution. And nothing ever came out of that. One thing about covering these women's stories that sticks out for Bryant is how the community came together, demanding answers for the families. What really stands out is the camaraderie. I mean, so often, I think we have the tendency as as society, especially someone uh, as a people who who don't perhaps know what it's like to be in addiction, um, we have the tendency to kind of paint everyone with a very broad brush of, well, that's their choice. They made these choices. And what was interesting to me was, I mean, there were, there were marches. There were um, events in the street where people would show up with, with picket signs and they would, they would, you know, outside of the police station or city hall in Chillicothe and they would just demand answers. Um, they wanted answers. And I think for that brief moment, covering these horrific stories, was humanity really shown humanity was something else. Because people, at least for, for a moment, they, they put down the idea of, well, this was a choice. And they started looking at these six women as people. They started looking at these six women as mothers as daughters, as somebody's family members. And they, they really unified around that idea. They didn't care what choices they made. They didn't care how they got in these predicaments. They didn't care. They wanted them found. They wanted answers. But their mothers are still waiting for answers about their daughters. After the march ends, they go home by themselves. And it's nothing but quiet. And they sit... And they just all they can do is be in their own heads. They wonder, they they question, they every phone call, every time the phone rings, is it is it a tip? Is it her? It's heartbreaking. I mean, you you sit in the living rooms of these mothers, and in many ways, I think they feel that it's not gonna be a good ending. Um, but in many ways, there, there's always that that small part in the back of their in the back of their mind that says no just just keep holding on just keep holding on I, I talked with both of them just last night and uh, Yvonne told me that truthfully I don't think she will ever be found um, and that that's hard you know that's hard to talk to a mom and and I, I have a six-year-old son I can't imagine never seeing him again. He just disappears and I, and I would never see him again. I, I can't imagine what Yvonne Boggs is going through. Um, I think time has has just worn down. I think she goes through peaks and valleys of, of hope. Uh, anytime something new comes out in this case, she's always at the forefront. She always wants to know. She's still very much involved. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's been, really, it's been about two years since we've heard anything in this case. And, you know, two years to us is, huh, I wonder what happened to those, those women. But for a mom, it's completely different. And hope is all these families have, but they need more. Hope is a, 
is a four-letter powerful, powerful thing, but it is also so very dangerous. I mean, you want to believe that these women will be found. The good in all of us want to believe that these women will be found. Realistically, I think the, the more time that passes, we all have this thought of at least find their bodies, you know, at least give these parents, give these families, give these children. Like I said, Charlotte Trigo was a mom of two. Give them something. We talk about closure all the time, and I, I can't imagine what, what these two mothers are going through and, and the lack of closure that they've had. Bryant hopes someone will finally come forward with what they know and give these mothers the answers they deserve six years later. You always have to believe that somebody knows something. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps you know, law enforcement thinking that th- that the guilt will overpower someone at some point, someday, and they'll say, you know what, I don't know how much how much weight this holds, but here's what I know. And maybe that's what it is. The, the smallest piece could be what really opens this and what solves it for these families. And more than anything, I think now, you know, six years later, five years later coming up for, uh, for Wanda Lemons, um, that's, what, that's what these parents need and that's what they deserve. A reward of $5,000 is available for information on each woman's case. I talked with uh, Chillicothe Mayor Luke, um, Luke Feeney just last night and uh, just asking him, you know, if, if he had heard anything from police, um, had there been any kind of an updates? And he um, pretty much told me that sadly, no significant developments in recent months. Um, I am, I'm quite sure just talking with police and the sheriff's office down there, uh, as well as detectives on this case, that this is something that, that they're not giving up on. It, it may seem to the media, maybe there's no updates. It may seem to the families that there's no updates, that maybe nothing is happening, but I would be really surprised if law enforcement have just um, set this aside. And and I, even going a step further, I would be surprised if, if they're just waiting for some sort of tip. I, I am, I'm sure that they are actively looking into any, um, any tips. Uh, I'm sure that they continue to get tips. And you know, win, lose, or draw, I'm sure that they follow up on them. Uh, that's something that they've told us since the beginning is that, um, you know, no details are too small and that they will continue to look into them uh, regardless of, you know, whatever a person has to offer. Maybe they saw something. Maybe they don't know what they saw. Maybe they heard something. These are things that police still, I mean, coming up in May of this year, it's going to be six years since Charlotte Trigo went missing. Uh, these are things that police are still hoping to hear. Again, going back to that that saying that somebody knows something, and I don't think Chillicothe or Ross County law enforcement um, have ever given up on that idea. Anyone with information should call the Chillicothe Missing Persons Task Force at 740-774-3463. So Jessica, in regards to the idea of there being one killer, a serial killer, or, you know, six individual killings, where do you think, why do you think it's important to, you know, put this case in one bin or the other? Why does the, um, why does the town think that it might be a serial killer? 
I think a community just wants answers. What's happening to our women? And could this happen, continue to happen? So they want that answer. And so maybe it's more reassuring for them to think of it's one person and maybe police can catch one person. Whereas if it's six individual killers, that's a lot more daunting and scary for the community. And, ma- you know, as a matter of fact, is the, the only other thing that is that is striking, too, is the fact that they put the judgment aside and that even though that these women, you know, were, um, you know, some of them may have been sex workers or some of them may have uh, been using drugs or addicted to drugs that the town just put aside their judgment and came out for them, these citizens, these women of their town. Yeah, absolutely. They rallied together because these were their citizens. These were their women who were vanishing and it could happen to anyone. And they didn't look at this. And, and, you know, Phil Trexler and Bryant both talk about that was one of the most amazing things in covering this story is watching the community come together and rally around those families, regardless of what any issues they had. And you hear one of the mothers even say, don't judge them because they're people and they have a story and whether or not they had an addiction to drugs or they did things that you might judge them for to supply their drug habit. They're people and they matter. And I think that that's what the community found as important here. All right, Jessica, thanks for bringing the story to us this week. I want to give a shout out to Phil Trexler with WKYC in Cleveland and Bryant Somerville and WBNS in Columbus who uh, helped us with this story out of Chillicothe. All right. I'll be back next week with our story of the week, uh, uh, a mystery from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Spencer, in the meantime, what can people do? If you like this podcast, go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe and uh, please rate us and tell your friends and family if you like this show uh, for them to listen to as well. And you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, join our Facebook group inside the crime vault where we discuss this and other cases. And you can tell us about a case we should look into. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.